Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, beauty, and meaning. I am Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development here at the church, and I have with me our wonderful lay leader this morning, Michael West. I especially want to welcome our visitors this morning. We're so glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll join us for coffee and conversation after the service in Housen Hall. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. It is also our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to begin our services by lighting a chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. Please say with me our words for lighting the chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our reading this morning is from Reverend Chris Jimerson. Here we gather to explore the mysteries of life together. In this place that is sacred to us, we gather to experience the awe that comes from being a part of the great unknown. On this hallowed ground, we glimpse with wonder that which is larger than us and difficult to fully fathom, yet of which we are an integral part. We gather to ask questions more profound than answers, to dwell together for a while in a great oneness of mind, heart, and soul. Unitarian Universalism is a pluralistic faith. We draw from all of the world's wisdom and faith traditions. We don't have a set of beliefs, a creed statement that we all have to sign on to and agree to. So sometimes people ask us, well then, what holds you all together? Well, as Unitarian Universalists, we have a set of principles and sources that hold us together. And here at this church, we have a set of religious values out of which arose our mission statement. It's our common purpose, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our reading this morning is from Sophia Lyon Foss. In reverence before intangible things. We gather in reverence before the wonder of life the wonder of this moment, the wonder of being together, so close yet so apart, each hidden in our own secret chamber, each listening, each trying to speak, yet none fully understanding, none fully understood. We gather in reverence before all intangible things that eyes see not nor ears can detect, that hands can never touch. That space cannot hold and time cannot measure. This is the time in our service when we breathe together. We breathe together and we feel the loving presence of those all around us. Breathing in, breathing out. We follow our breath to a deeper place inside, that place of awe and wonder, 
that place where that spark of the divine within each of us resides. And breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together, remembering that human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of that sacred silence in this congregation. Breathing together, let us now enter into that time of sacred silence together. All during this month of December, our faith development educational activities have focused on mystery. They've been asking the question, what does it mean to be a people of mystery? Well, for a faith tradition such as ours, wherein both our universalist and our Unitarian forebearers were the heretics, the questioners, the embracers of mystery and questions more profound than answers, I think this is a great topic for us to explore. What does it mean to be a people of mystery? And I think that exploring mystery and uncertainty can drive both a sense of humility and a sense of increased spirituality. Humility over the enormity of what we do not yet know, some of which lies beyond our current ability and tools to study it through science. Humility when we consider what a tiny part of the vastness of our universe we are, that our lives are but a blip in the magnificence of eternity. And yet, yet I also find a sense of the spiritual in knowing that we are a part of and integrally interconnected with that great vastness, that eternal movement of time, that sacred web of all existence. And grounded in that sense of humility, embracing that we exist in uncertainty, diving into all that still remains mysterious to us, I think opens up the possibility of almost limitless exploration, creative opportunity, and both personal and societal transformation. I want to share with you how neuroscientist and author David Eagleman expresses this need to embrace uncertainty, mystery, and what we do not know. What happened some years ago was that NASA had completed a low-resolution map of the night sky, and they decided that they wanted to go deeper. So they picked a little tiny patch of space, a patch of space that's about um, the size of a pencil tip at arm's length. And it was black. There was nothing there. And what they decided they would do is point the finely honed lens of the Hubble telescope at that little patch of space. So every time the Hubble came around the Earth, they pointed the telescope at that little patch to see if they could capture any photons and see if there was actually something in there that was too dim to see normally. So every time the Hubble came around the Earth, they pointed it for 20 minutes, and they pulled this trick off 400 times. And at the end of that... They compiled all the information, they collected all the lonely photons that had trickled in from distant reaches of the universe, and they put it together, and they found that there was something in that little patch of space after all. And it wasn't a star, and it wasn't a cluster of stars. It was 10,000 galaxies. 
Now, a galaxy is a hundred billion stars. So we're talking a thousand trillion stars in this little patch of space. Each one of those stars, just like our sun, many of them presumably with planetary systems around them, all of them with the potential to house unknown forms of biology. Right? So I think this is a good consciousness raiser to think about the, the size of the mysteries that surround us. So I am a scientist. I've devoted my entire life to science because I figure if we want to understand what's going on in this strange world around us, there's probably no better method than to directly study the blueprints. And science in the last 400 years has been tremendously successful. We have cured smallpox and polio and gotten men to the moon and made the internet and tripled lifespans. But I think what you really get from a life in science is this knowledge that after you walk the pier of everything that we know in science, at some point you reach the end of the pier. And beyond the end is everything that we don't know. It's all the uncharted waters, the deep mysteries that we don't have insight into yet. Like why mass and energy are equivalent, or what dark matter and dark energy are, or why there are multiple spatial dimensions, or how you build consciousness from mechanical pieces and parts. That's the real lesson that you get from science, is about the vastness of our ignorance. Now, I have no doubt that every generation we will continue to add a few more slats to the pier, but it's a huge ocean, and we don't really have any guarantee how far we'll get, and certainly in our brief twinkling of a 21st century lifetime, we're not going to get to the end of that. And so the lesson that you get from science is that what we know is so vastly outstripped by what we don't know. Given the enormity of what we do not know, Eagleman goes on to talk about his discomfort with the duality going on in the debate between the so-called new atheist and religious fundamentalists. He says that we know far too little to rule out the possibility of God with such certainty, and we know far too much to believe any of the world's religious stories so literally. Now, whether or not you agree with him, he holds out the prospect that if we let go of the either-or thinking, and like when science doesn't yet have the tools for measuring and observing certain phenomena, phenomenon and must therefore hold multiple hypotheses at once, if we open ourselves to exploring the multitude of possibilities between these two extremes, we may find new opportunities for spiritual creativity and growth. He calls this possibilianism, which is a sort of mysticism rooted in reason and the scientific method. More on that coming up. Now, speaking of mysticism, I looked back at some research I did for a sermon on the subject a couple of years ago and was reminded that mysticism has developed within all of the world's major religions. These are folks who, depending on their individual belief systems, have found that God or the divine, or enlightenment, or nirvana, or a sense of transcendence, or an experience of the holy, or peak experiences. These, these were all to be found by embracing uncertainty, diving in to mystery. Even non-theistic humanists and scientific naturalists have their folks who find a sense of awe and wonder, connection to something larger than themselves by staring up at the vastness of the stars at night or marveling at the beauty of a sunset. 
And I have found this embracing of the mystery and the unknown quite comforting as we move through all the uncertainty generated by our construction and renovation process. In fact, I wrote for us a call and response liturgy to help us embrace the uncertainty. You don't need to have anything in writing because it's very simple. I will speak, and then when I gesture toward you, please say with me, it's a mystery. It's more fun if we say it like that, like my Southeast Texas relatives would say it. It's a mystery. Okay, you ready? I wonder when we'll get to use the new area of the sanctuary. It's a mystery. I wonder when the new kitchen will open. It's a mystery. I wonder when we'll get our parking back. It's a mystery. I wonder when we'll lose the use of Housen Hall for a bit. It's a mystery. The staff offices? It's a mystery. The classrooms? It's a mystery. All together three times now. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <sighs> okay, I didn't actually experience God or anything in that, but I think surrendering to the uncertainty can help us relieve anxiety sometimes. And I have this growing sense of excitement about all the creative possibilities for growing our church and our faith that this time of uncertainty we're in now will eventually create for us. So let's embrace uncertainty and the vast mysteriousness within which we dwell. Now, for the Israelites of biblical times, the mysteriousness of God was considered so vast and beyond human comprehension that even his name was beyond human ability to pronounce correctly. Even trying to say his name was blasphemy and could get you stoned to death by your neighbors. Well, by your male neighbors, as women weren't allowed to participate in anything as fun like stonings. Except, except in the imaginings of Monty Python, that is. Mathias, son of Deuteronomy of Gath. Was he? Yes. 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 You have been found guilty by the elders of the town of uttering the name of our Lord. And so, as a blessed Fever! You are to be stoned to death. Look, I had a lovely supper, and all I said to my wife was, that piece of halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Blasphemy! He said it again! Did you hear him? Are there any women here today? Very well. By virtue of the authority vested in me. Oh, Rayoff, we haven't started yet. Come on. Who threw that? Who threw that stone? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we started. Go to the back. Oh, dear. Always one, isn't there? Now, where were we? Look, I don't think it ought to be blasphemy. Just saying Jehovah. <laughs> You're making it worse for yourself. Making it worse? How could it be worse? Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. I'm warning you, if you say Jehovah once more, right, who threw that? Come on, who threw that? 
Was it you? Yes. Right, we did say you over. <laughs> Do you understand? Even, and I want to make this absolutely clear, even if they do say Jehovah. A humorous illustration of why Eagleman says we know too much to take ancient scriptures literally. So, mystery and uncertainty are a part of life, whether we like it or not. Yet, they can also be, when we're willing to embrace the uncertainty, to swim in the mystery for a while, a powerful source of awe, wonder, and creative possibilities. Mystery can stimulate transcendent experience and lead to spiritual transformation. I'd like to share with you just a part of author and world traveler Pico Iyer's talk, which he titled The Beauty of What We Will Never Know. Science has unquestionably made our lives brighter and longer and healthier. And I'm forever grateful to the teachers who showed me the laws of physics and pointed out that three times three makes nine. I can count that out on my fingers any time of night or day. But when a mathematician tells me that minus three times minus three makes nine, that's a kind of logic that almost feels like trust. The opposite of knowledge, in other words, isn't always ignorance. It can be wonder or mystery, possibility. And in my life, I found it's the things I don't know that have lifted me up and pushed me forwards much more than the things I do know. It's also the things I don't know that have often brought me closer to everybody around me. For eight straight Novembers recently, I traveled every year across Japan with the Dalai Lama. And the one thing he said every day that most seemed to give people reassurance and confidence was, I don't know. What's going to happen to Tibet? When are we ever going to get world peace? What's the best way to raise children? Frankly, says this very wise man, I don't know. I love that image of the Dalai Lama having the wisdom to say, I don't know, when that is the simple truth. What powerful modeling of the wisdom to be found in a little humility in the face of circumstances for which we cannot have certainty. And I love the quote, the opposite of knowledge isn't always ignorance. It can be wonder or mystery possibility, and his observation that it's often the things we don't know that push us forward more than the things that we do know. Now, later in that same talk, Ivor also observes that mystery is a source of intimacy in our personal relationships, that we can't ever know everything about those whom we love, and that this is actually a wonderful wellspring of continued growth and deepening for our relationships. I've experienced this with my spouse, Wayne. Even after 27 years, we still have more mystery to explore 
with one another. He still surprises me sometimes. We still have more to learn about one another. And even if it were somehow possible to learn everything there is to know about someone else, which it isn't because we'll never have the same lived experience, but even if it was, even if it was possible, that person would still be growing and evolving and changing. And so the Wayne I met all those years ago and the Wayne I talked with over coffee before leaving the house this morning are not the same. And the Wayne I will meet for lunch later will not be exactly the same as the Wayne I was with this morning. We are all always in a process of becoming with each new experience and each passing moment. And for Wayne and I, that has driven an abiding and ever-deepening love and enchantment with the ever-unfolding mysteries of one another. And so Ivor says it is with our human relationships in general and our broader human lives and spirituality. The mystery creates almost unlimited possibilities and creative potential. I agree with him about that. And that brings me back to David Eagleman's possibilianism that I mentioned earlier and called a sort of mysticism rooted in reason and the scientific method. Possibilianism says that we cannot claim certainty over that for which we have no way of being certain. The existence or non-existence of God, even how we might conceive of such, how we find and make meaning, our place within this vast universe of ours. Possibilianism requires that we be open to ideas that we don't have any way of testing right now, be open to new, previously unconsidered possibilities, and be comfortable holding multiple ideas in mind all at once. It also requires, though, that we apply reason to these ideas and then, when possible, test them with scientific methods. Now, I think it's important to note that this is not the same as agnosticism, which is sort of a passive response to questions we can't answer, but rather an active diving into the mysteries. I love this explanation of the difference that I found. Agnostics end with the lack of an answer. Possibilians begin with the lack of an answer. Agnostics say we can't decide between this and that. Possibilians say there are other choices than just this and that. Agnostics say, I don't know. It's impossible to answer that question. Possibilians say, I don't know. Let's see if we can find better questions. Now, for those of you desperately searching your smartphones about now, it's possibilian.com. That's P-O-S-S-I-B-I-L-I-A-N. You'll find there links to articles and videos on the subject also. It occurs to me, though, that possibilianism might be one great avenue of exploration for we ever-questioning, ever-seeking, ever-heretical Unitarian Universalists. As we move into a new year... Filled as it is with uncertainty and mystery over what is to come, perhaps we can all try on possibilianism for just a while. Perhaps we can become that people of mystery. In doing so, we might just open up almost unlimited possibilities and creative potentialities.
so may it be. Amen. Now please say with me our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. May you be at peace with life's uncertainties. May you find in the mystery, awe, wonder, the creative potential that can lead to transformation. Be blessed. Bless others. May the congregation say amen. Amen. And blessed be. Go in peace and Happy New Year. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.